On this week's episode of Mix and Some Magic, I'm joined by Rebecca from Multiply the Magic to talk all about visiting Disneyland with kids because it can be challenging. But luckily, Rebecca is here to share some tips and tricks with us to help make the experience fun and simple. Hi, I'm Melissa with Mix and Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me, let's mix in some magic. Hello and welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. It is officially November and that means can check Halloween off our list and the holidays are rapidly approaching. Holidays begin early at Disneyland because it is such a popular time to visit so there's kind of an extended holiday season. So if you're visiting Disneyland during November we're going to talk a little bit about that including ride closures and what you can expect on your Disneyland November trip and I'm also going to be joined today by Rebecca who specializes in visiting Disney parks with kids. I'm really excited to chat with her because my kids are not so little anymore and it's been quite a while since I have visited a Disney park with little ones. So I'm excited to chat with her and here's some of her information about tips and tricks and ways to make visiting Disneyland with little ones easy and more enjoyable. So let's get right into visiting Disneyland in November. All right, Disney 100 Celebration is like really petering out at this point. So if you are visiting between now and the end of the year, you're probably not really going to notice any Disney 100 celebrations going on. They've taken down a lot of the decorations. You might still be able to find some merch, but the holidays are really going to have taken over completely. So don't plan on seeing really any Disney 100 things on your trip. The holidays begin at Disneyland on November 10th and last until January 7th, so you have plenty of time to visit during the holidays, and if you don't have tickets yet, there is still time to get tickets. Book your vacation for Disneyland during the holidays. It's such a fun time to visit. I love going in November because it feels like a really fun way to kick off the holiday season in my own personal life. You know, there's something about being at Disneyland that's so magical, but you throw in the holidays and it's extra magical and fun. So I love visiting in November. Disneyland is still doing their kids ticket sale for $50 per kids ticket, which is huge. So if you're visiting during January through March, I think it's January 8th through March 10th, you can get that deal on kids tickets. And that is huge huge savings. So if you're able, if you're not planning on visiting for the holidays, seriously think about visiting Disneyland for, you know, in January, February, or March to take advantage of those kids ticket prices because it can save you up to $220 per ticket, which is huge savings. We've never seen Disneyland do a ticket sale like this in my living memory. So this is a really great deal. And I know a lot of you have already taken advantage of it and I'm really happy for you. So if you haven't, think about it. It would be a great Christmas gift to have them open on Christmas morning. Say we're going to Disneyland in January or whenever your dates are. That would be really fun. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes 
to my travel partners at Getaway Today. They can help you book those Disney kids ticket prices. And you can call them if you prefer at 1-855-GETAWAY. I love calling them because they're super friendly and they have tons of information. All of the people that work there have actually been to Disneyland. They're not like other travel agencies where nobody's ever actually visited Disneyland. They take all of their employees to Disneyland once a year so that they can experience it. They go on hotel tours, so they really know what they're talking about. So definitely give them a call or check them out online. They can help you out. Now, we don't know how long this ticket sale for kids is going to last. So hopefully it lasts a while. Disney has just said while supplies last, which I guess means that they can stop those sales at any time. So if you're considering it, really don't wait too long. Jump on it because I would hate for you to miss out on these great prices. Let's talk about some ride closures that you can expect at Disneyland. The Mark Twain Riverboat is closed for the whole month, and we don't know when it will reopen again. And let's see. Oh, huge news. The Adventureland Treehouse has an opening date, November 10th, when the holidays kick off. The Adventureland Treehouse will officially reopen. And I'm so excited. I'm so tired of saying that it's closed. It's been closed for, I mean, years at this point. So Adventureland Treehouse is opening. I'm pumped about that. They are doing a special Magic Key Holder preview on November 9th. And I will actually be there that day. So I'll get to go and preview it early. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be amazing. I really, really loved it when it was the Swiss Family Treehouse. I loved that movie when I was a kid, and I remember visiting the Swiss Family Treehouse when I was little, so it kind of has that nostalgic factor for me, and this Adventureland Treehouse seems to be very reminiscent of that, so I'm really excited to check it out. Redwood Creek Challenge Trail is closed, and it will reopen on November 10th. That is getting some little holiday makeover a little holiday zhuzh I guess <laughs> that's what's happening so it will be closed at the beginning of November but be open in time for the holidays it's a small world will also be closed for its holiday overlay and reopen on November 10th Goofy's how to play yard is closed really Toontown has struggled since it's reopening in some of their um new features and it's been closed. They're redoing something. I don't know what, but it's supposed to open on November 10th. And I cannot wait to check out Toontown for the holidays. That's one of my favorite places around Disneyland during the holidays because it's so cute. And so to see new Toontown during the holidays, I'm pumped about that. Now, Incredicoaster is going to close on November 27th and reopen on December 2nd. Indiana Jones will also be closing on November 27th and reopening on December 1st. Astro Orbiters will close on November 27th, and we don't have a reopening date for that. And of course, Splash Mountain is still closed for retheming. And it's they used to say it was reopening in late 2024, but now they're just saying 2024. So I don't know. Does that mean it's coming early? We don't know. But I'm excited about all of that. It's going to be great. Holidays at Disneyland are just so fun. So like I said, I will be visiting next week for the kickoff of the holidays. If you want to follow along, head over to my Instagram. I'm also going to be creating a bunch of helpful content for visiting during the holidays. It will all be over there. I'm going to have some YouTube videos. So many things coming so you're not going to want to miss it. I'll put links in the show notes for all of that. 
If you're visiting during the holidays and feeling a little overwhelmed and stressed, think about joining my holiday workshop. So it's like a little overview of the holidays that will tell you everything you need to know all in one place because the information is out there, but you might spend hours upon hours searching through websites and all over the Disneyland website and going through blogs and YouTube videos just to feel prepared for your Disney vacation during the holidays. And you don't have time for that. I promise you, you don't have time for that. If your life is anything like mine, you are busy. So I have this holiday workshop that is kicking off in just a few days, and I am going to be sharing everything you need to know about the holidays all in two videos. So I'm going to have things like shows and entertainment and characters and ride overlays and food and all kinds of things. It's all going to be in one place so you can watch these two videos and know everything you need to know about Disneyland during the holidays. We'll talk about managing crowds and everything. So it's going to be amazing. This is for my Instagram subscribers only. Becoming a subscriber is $4.99 per month. So you can cancel anytime. So if you're visiting during the holidays, just come over for the holiday workshop. And then you can cancel if you don't want to be there anymore. But really, it's going to be worth your $5. So there's a link in the show notes. You can check out more information. This is for Instagram. So it's all saved on my my highlights for Instagram subscribers. So check that out if you're interested. I also do a book club over there every month for Instagram subscribers. So fun. And we do a little deep dive into something during the month. Last month, we did a deep dive into the Haunted Mansion where I shared all kinds of cool information about the Haunted Mansion. So I'm not sure what it will be this this month. It's up for debate. We usually vote on it. So head over there. It's lots of fun. I hope to be sharing helpful information and be providing like a fun atmosphere for people who love Disney over there. And it's also a great way to support me as a content creator. So go check out that link in the show notes for more information. Okay, let's dive into our episode. I want to tell you about Rebecca. She's really awesome. So Rebecca Calloway is a Disney mom who is passionate about helping you make your next trip to Disneyland the best it can be. When she's not working her day job as a nonprofit director, she's spending time at Disneyland making magic with her husband and four-year-old son. You can follow their family's Disney adventures on Instagram at Multiply the Magic, where they share tips and tricks for doing Disneyland with kids. Rebecca also serves as Mice Chat's Disney mom expert, where she shares additional information on how to navigate the parks with little ones. She's just awesome. I know you're going to love her. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll have Rebecca. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mixin' Some Magic. I am here with Rebecca from Multiply the Magic, and she is going to share with us a bunch of tips and tricks for visiting Disneyland with little kids. And I am really excited because I don't have little kids, so I haven't been to the parks with little kids in quite a while. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, We are a family of three Disney lovers. Um, My husband and I grew up loving Disney. I went to college uh, 20 minutes away from Disney. And so kind of the thing that everybody did is they had passes and that's where you went for your dates and that's where you went to hang out with your friends. Um, And my husband and I met um, a little bit later um, in my life. We met in my late 20s, but we both really loved Disney and bonded over that. He was a former cast member. 
And um, nice. we just really kind of bonded over um, just this shared happy place for us um, and continued to enjoy our Disney trips uh, as we dated. Um, we took our honeymoon in Disney World. Um, and we had our son. We actually had him during the pandemic. Um, so we weren't able to take him um, when he was first born. But when we had our son, we talked a lot about wanting to make these new Disney memories as a family and what that would look like for us. Um, so we were there when the park reopened that first weekend. Um, my son was about 20 months old and it was just magical. And over that next like year or two, we kind of learned how to navigate the parks with a little one. Um, and I started sort of becoming that person that all my friends would ask their say, oh, I'm taking my kid to the parks. Like, what do I do? What do I need? What do I need to bring? And then I also found myself like doing a little bit of oversharing on my own Instagram about our Disney trips and just decided to go ahead and start an Instagram account that was all Disney um, so that I was in a community of people that appreciated the posts that I was making and just sharing our tips and sharing our trips as we went to Disney. And I didn't actually expect to start getting followers. And it's been really exciting over the last nine months to start getting people joining us on our journey. And I've tried to just share things that have worked for us in the parks, um, what we do when we go on a typical day, what you should bring, um, what to look out for, and how to make it a really magical day. Because Disney is expensive. Um, it's a wonderful place, um, but it's an expensive place. And if you do it right and know how to navigate it well, the cost is so worth it because of the magical memories that you will make as a family. But if you don't know how to do it well, um, you can feel like you spent a lot of money for nothing. And I think that there's no place Place that that's truer than when you have little kids, right? Because you want to get the most out of that day, but it's really easy for that day to crash and burn because there's just a lot more variables when you have little ones with you, babies, toddlers, young kids. And so these families, when they buy their tickets, they want to come in, you want to come in and you want to come out of it feeling like you got your money's worth and you made these magical moments with your family. And that's what I'm about is helping moms and dads get in there and get into the parks and making their most out of the time that they have and creating these magical memories as a family together. Oh, I love it so much. Everything you said is so spot on and so true. So I'm so glad you're here today to talk to us about all these things. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be here. Well, Rebecca, before we get going, can we ask you a few questions so we can yeah. get to know your Disney side? Absolutely. Okay. What is your favorite Disney park to visit? Okay. So we are Disneyland. Like that's our home park. So I would say between the two for my home park, I'm, I'm, I'm a Disneyland classic. Like that's the place I want to be with my kid. That magic that you feel on Main Street, those traditional rides that I grew up uh, with as a little kid. But if you were asking me like my personal favorite park, I love Epcot. Um, when we went on our honeymoon, it was just our favorite place to hang out. I love uh, all of the countries that you can visit along the back. I love all the different foods that you get to try. Um, I love the festivals. Our favorite thing a year uh, here on this side of the coast is when they do the food and wine festival and I love it, Epcot they have all these different festivals throughout the year so like if you were to ask me where do you want to be right now it would probably be Epcot. Epcot is amazing have you taken your son to Epcot? We have not yet and I can't wait. Yeah it's so great it really is amazing okay what is your favorite Disney food to eat in any of the parks what's your favorite go-to food? 
So I am an allergy person. I have a gluten allergy. I get very sick when I eat gluten. Um, and so for me, one of the things I love about Disney is how well they do with catering to dietary restrictions. And I love the gluten-free Mickey waffles. Um, you can get them a couple different places on property. Uh, you can get them at the different character breakfasts. Uh, and you can also get them uh, at um carnation cafe on main street but my favorite batter that they use is the one that they use at storytellers cafe they have the best gluten-free mickey waffles and it's such a treat for me to get to enjoy something special when we go so when you order i mean at the character breakfast they just have mm -hmm. gluten-free but if you go to carnation cafe do yeah. you have to order your gluten-free waffle ahead of time or can they make it for you anytime they can make it for you anytime. So they have an allergy menu. Um, it's one of the things on the allergy menu that if you ask your waiter, you can just ask for their allergy menu and those gluten-free waffles are listed. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. They kind of change the menu up. So sometimes I'll see them, sometimes I won't see them, but I've always been able to order them. Um, sometimes they'll be things on the menu that you do have to order ahead of time. And the big example I've seen of that is if you want a gluten-free Monte Cristo, like if you went to Blue Bayou or Cafe Orleans, you have to order that one the day ahead of time and let them know that you're going to be there and let them know that you'd like them to pull the ingredients because they pull it from a different kitchen. But other than that, most of the time I've just been able to order straight off the allergy menu. Perfect, that is good to know. Okay, what is your favorite Disney attraction at any of the parks? Space Mountain. I There's something about that ride that just is the Disney magic for me. Um, I just love it. I don't get to ride it quite as often anymore because we're always running around with my toddler and he's still just under 40 inches. Um, but anytime I get a day in the parks with my sister or a friend or my husband, uh, we're heading right over to Space Mountain. So Space Mountain at Disneyland or Space Mountain Disney World? Because they're you know, very different. I liked the Space Mountain at Disney World, but I have to say that the one at Disneyland is still my favorite. I don't like riding alone. I like riding with somebody next to me. Yes, I think the Disneyland version is much better too. Yeah. Okay, what is, well, before I ask that one, let me ask who is your favorite Disney character? For me, so many I love, but for me, Belle holds a special place in my heart. Um, I think every generation of kids grows up with a different Disney movie where they kind of bond with that because that was part of their childhood. And for me, it was Beauty and the Beast. I remember seeing it in the theaters. Um, I had everything. I had my my Belle pajamas and t-shirt and the, the bedspread. And I would put on the soundtrack and act it out in my bedroom. And so Belle for me is always going to be a really special character. Oh, I love that. Okay. Last question. What is on your Disney bucket list? I want to take my son to Disney World. Um, we would love to make that trip over there. We actually, I, I think that we also have on our bucket list to get him on a Disney cruise. And that might be the first thing we do as we're looking at budgets and figuring out what the next step is for us. I think we'll probably do a cruise before we do Walt Disney World. But that ultimate goal is I would love to get him over there and just to see the magic of the bigger park and the different parks and how they compare. Um, I'm really excited to share that with him someday. Oh, that's so fun. I love it. Yeah, I agree. Disney Cruise first while he's mm. still little and we'll really love it. Then Disney World. That makes that's, sense. Yeah, that's kind of what I heard. And it's a big truck to get a little one over to Florida um, mm -hmm. and a big chunk of money. And the idea of getting him on that cruise um, just seems like a little bit better for a four-year-old. 
So fun. Okay, well, let's dive in. I can't wait to hear some yeah. of your tips for visiting Disney parks with little kids. Awesome. All right, so I put together for you guys a list of 10 tips for taking your little kids to Disneyland for the first time. Um, these are lessons that we've learned, things that we've tried, things that have worked well for us. My big warning is that sometimes my tips won't work for everybody. I think you have to take in your own, take into account your own family's personality, your kids' temperaments, all of those kinds of things. So as I'm sharing different things that have worked for us, um, it may not work for you. And so as you're listening to these different tips, my hope is that at least some of them will really resonate with you and the way that your family likes to vacation and hopefully will help make your vacation an even better and more magical vacation. Perfect. So my first tip is to really look at those height requirements ahead of time and familiarize yourself with them. Um, they're all available on a Disney website or they're available on your app. You can even Google Disney height requirements. They will come up. Um, and knowing ahead of time which rides your kids can ride and can't ride, measuring them ahead of time so you don't have that horrible experience of we're all going to go ride Space Mountain and you get there and one of your kids finds out they're not tall enough and you have tears. Um, we really went in knowing what our toddler could ride and what he couldn't so that we could really prioritize which rides we wanted to hit as a family. Um, so that would be my first tip. That's so smart because, I mean, you don't want to walk all the way over to Rise of the Resistance and then find out no. that your kid's too small. So, so smart to make sure. And then they, you can hype up the rides that they can ride if they're too small to ride some of the bigger ones. Yeah, it just helps set expectations. Um, you don't waste your time, but it also helps set expectations for your kids. You can get them excited about the right things instead of the day being a disappointment. It feels really positive for them. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's my first one. Um, my second one is actually a mistake that I made the first time I took my son. Um, so this tip is to start with a mellow ride if you have a baby or younger toddler. So I took my son on Peter Pan as the first ride um, because it was something that just meant so much to me um, when I was a kid. And I had a pandemic baby. He had not been out a lot. And the dark scared him. He cried the whole way through. And then we had to backtrack and we had to go to the carousel and Dumbo. And once we started getting him used to the rides within like an hour or two, he was having a blast, but it was just the wrong way to start. So my recommendation is to start with something that is not a dark ride, not inside and something really mellow. Dumbo is great. The carousels are great. It's very likely that like after a couple of rides, your kid's going to do fine on Peter Pan, but really starting them outside with something that's really mellow and they can kind of get used to that motion because it is kind of a scary first experience for a younger toddler or baby to go from, you know, I haven't experienced this before and suddenly I'm in this vehicle that's moving and it's in the dark and I don't know what's going on. So we learned that lesson the hard way and I definitely recommend you start with something mellow and outdoors. Yes, so we did that too. We learned the hard <laughs> way with that. When my son was three, first time at Disneyland, first time at an amusement park, we went, and I don't know what we were thinking, but the first ride we took him on was Snow White's Scary Adventure, mm. and he just hated it. And I mean, it's, it was a lot scarier back then than it yeah. is now, and it was very dark, and the witch, and the whole thing he hated, and he was so nervous the rest of our Disney trip, just because he didn't know what ride we were going to take him on, and if we had started him on Dumbo or the Carousel or a ride that he could see it would have been so much better to work him up that way instead of him being so nervous on each and every ride after that one. So we have made that mistake too. 
My parents made the same mistake um, and I have wonderful parents, so I don't mean to throw them under the bus, but I will share this story just for the other parents out there who are taking their kids. They took me on pirates first and I spent there, I was three and I spent the rest of the day terrified to go on everything. I still remember it. I remember going on Small World and crying because I thought there was going to be a hill again because the boats looked the same. Um, so just, you know, remember your kid like may be ready. Like we actually ended up taking my son on pirates later in the day and he did great. Um, but you just have to be careful what you start with so that your kids kind of feel safe when they're like, oh, okay, this is okay. This is fun. Mm -hmm. Yep. So smart. Um, so that's my second one. Um, my third one is probably my number one tip. And I think that this tip works across the board for any kind of kid, any kind of family, anyone who's bringing younger kids, take the day at their pace. Um, you do not have to do everything. In fact, if you have little kids, there's really no way you can do everything with a one-day ticket. Um, this is where vacation packages can be really great, spending a couple days in Disneyland, spending a day or two in DCA. Um, but especially if you're just going to the park for the day, um, knowing that you're not going to get to everything and don't put your pre pressure on yourself or your kids to get to everything. Um, what we like to do, um, we're pass holders, so we go all the time, but even when we go on a day and we've been a bunch, we start the day with everybody in the family talking about what is our biggest priority today. And we make sure that everybody gets to do that one thing. And then we just kind of take it mellow. Um, we go with the, when he was little, we'd go with when the nap happened and we wouldn't stress about it. If he wanted to go run and play for a little while and get some energy out, we'd let him run a little bit before he got to the next ride. And it makes the trip so much more pleasurable and fun for everyone. If you're kind of looking at the pace that your kids are at, paying attention to like, do they need the nap? Do they need the rest? Everybody's just going to be a lot happier if you're pacing your day around your kids' needs rather than just trying to knock out everything on your list. That is so true and such, such a good tip because I think you show up with expectations of how you want the day to go. But if your expectations are to go with the flow and the pace of your child, I think everyone's going to be happier. We've done it both ways. And the day that we let our kids lead was so much better. We, we did meet Mickey Mouse three times at his house in Toontown that day, which I felt like was a lot, but that's what they wanted to do over and I over love it. again. And they probably remember that day forever. Like the days that I just kind of let my son pick, like those are the days he had the most magical time. Mm -hmm, I agree. Um, my third, my fourth tip, sorry. My fourth tip um, would be to check out the play places. I think a lot of parents who um, Disney isn't somewhere they go often um, know about some of the big rides that they like to go on, but they don't think about checking out the play places. And these have been my son's favorite places. We love Toontown, um, not just for meeting Mickey and going on the rides, but for playing um, in Goofy's play yard, for getting to run around, for trying all the doors and pushing all the buttons. Um, he loves Redwood Creek Challenge Trail in DCA. There's a whole ropes obstacle course and there's things for big kids to do, but all the bridges are open to the little ones. You can go with your kid and kind of hold their hand on it. And there's a whole play space in the back for toddlers with smaller slides and little rocks to climb on, a little cave to go through. So there's really something for every age kid. Um, even last week we were there and it was funny. I saw a family trying to get their kids to leave. They're like, come on, let's go on rides. And the kids are like, no, I'm having so much fun. Um, you know, the parents perspective was like, we got to get on these rides, but the kids just love these play places. Um, and then back over at Disneyland, um, we love Pirate's Lair. Um, 
formerly Tom Sawyer's Island. It's super fun to explore the caves, the bridges, crawling around. You feel like you're kind of out in nature. We have a lot of fun as a family over there crossing that raft and just kind of running around and playing and making memories. And so you definitely don't want to miss out on these play spaces. Make sure that you schedule time in for them. Uh, They're especially great later in the afternoon when the lines start getting long. If you can hit those rides in the morning and then enjoy these play spaces later in the day, uh, it's a great place for your kids to run off steam. I love that. It's such a nice change for kids to be able to not wait in a line and to be able to just roam free. And all those places have so many interactive features that I'm sure all kids would find it just as magical as any ride that they waited in line for. We have days and it's very few because I'm still, I'm saying all this, but I'm a very type A personality where I like, I want to plan and I want to get the things done. So I have to fight against that. But the days we don't do rides, like sometimes we'll leave after a whole day in the park and we haven't done anything. And I don't even realize it because we just had so much fun running around, eating and going to these play spaces. Mm-hmm. So my fifth tip, my fifth tip here, and this could be something that you don't agree with or something that you just can't do because of your budget. But if you have the budget, splurge on that character dining. And here's why. The character lines get long in the parks. Um, If you get there early, sometimes you can hit a few of them, but the waits are long. And especially if you have a little kid and they're already waiting on rides, waiting for the characters and waiting for the rides can be a lot of waiting. And what these character dinings do is they give you this experience where like you kind of get to the front of the line of seeing these characters. You get to sit down and have a meal um, and the characters come to your table and they really take time um, at each table talking to your kids they'll let you take a picture. We have had our most magical character interactions at these character dining options, and they are 100% worth the money. If you're looking for a place to use a little splurge money on your next trip, the character dining is the way to go 100% if you've got a little kid that the characters is what it's all about for them. They are so fun. So what is your favorite character dining option? I would say it depends on what you want. So my personal favorite is I just love storytellers. I think the food is the best. Um, I recommend doing brunch because you get a little bit of lunch Mm -hmm. and a little bit of breakfast. Um, And I also really like it for babies and younger toddlers because it feels the most mellow. Um, So we just took my four-year-old to Goofy's Kitchen for his birthday, which I loved. Um, Food was really Um, kid-friendly. The adult food was great too. It was a wonderful experience, but it was loud in there. And I feel like Storytellers feels a little bit calmer and a little more mellow. And so if you're worried about your younger kids getting overstimulated, it's a great spot to start them and it's the only character breakfast that does mickey and so you will get to see mickey mouse you'll get your picture with mickey without waiting in line um so it's my main recommendation um plaza inn is great too um i think that it feels a little more cafeteria style but one of the reasons people like it is because it's right in the park so like if you're only going one day you're not staying in a hotel it's a great option because you're not going to lose time leaving the park to go to the breakfast and come back in you can hit that character breakfast and then just head right back out and go on another ride. Um, We haven't done the princess breakfast because it's so expensive, but if you don't want to wait in line with the princesses and you have the extra money, it's a great way. You get some awesome one-on-one time with several of the different princesses if you're willing to fork out that cash. Yes, I do love the character breakfast with Minnie at the Plaza Inn, but I prefer to do character dining on either an arrival day or a rest day when we're not in the parks, because there's so many other things to do in the park and you don't want to rush your character 
dining. So Plaza Inn used to be my favorite, but now I think I've kind of changed. And if, like you said, if that's your only option, then you can totally make it work. But if you have free time, going to Goofy's Kitchen or Storytellers is really, really nice on a rest day or arrival day. So you can just take it slow and enjoy. Yes, I totally agree. And I think one of the pluses of Goofy's Kitchen is they offer dinner. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people that like to do, like if you're staying at the Disneyland Hotel, to do your arrival dinner as Goofy's Kitchen and kind of, like you said, pull that character dining experience out of your busy park day and really getting to focus on that experience. It's a great arrival activity. Mm -hmm. Number six, my sixth tip uh, would be to consider a nearby hotel. Um, we are pass holders, um, so we are about 45 minutes away from the park, um, half an hour when it's a non-traffic day. Um, so we don't often book a hotel, but the first time we took my son, um, we did, and we do a couple times a year. It is a really great uh, it's a really great option um, if you have a little one because you have a couple options with that hotel. One is that it just makes the getting there when the park opens a little easier because you're coming from a hotel and you're not driving in. Um, the other really great thing about staying in a nearby hotel is that if your kid does need a nap, they're one of those kids that don't nap in a stroller, you can go back. Um, if it's summertime, you can get out of the heat in those couple really hot hours in the afternoon and having that hotel has been the times that we've been able to keep our little one up late enough to stay for the fireworks. So we'll do morning in the park. We'll go back and take a rest and then we'll get him back out. And that's how we've been able to keep him up so he can enjoy the nighttime magic. And so I definitely recommend that as an option if that's in your budget. Um, if it is in your budget to splurge a little, staying on property is magical. It's worth it. Um, especially if you have a little one, um, if only in the Disney world, Disneyland is great because everything is in walking distance. If you're staying on a resort property. So even the Disneyland hotel, you can walk into the resort, getting back and forth to the hotel for naps is very easy. Um, the grand is right there with an entrance into DCA. And so you can go back and forth from naps. If you've got a baby that naps a couple times a day, you can pop up to the hotel room and pop back into the parks. Um, so that can be a really nice accommodation um, to be so close and just makes the whole day feel a little bit more relaxed and not quite as overstimulating for your little ones. Well, I do think one of the worst things in the world is having your sleeping child in a stroller and then having to unload them so you can fold up your stroller to get it on a shuttle. It is the worst. The worst. The worst. Yes. So it's when our worst. kids were little, our favorite thing was staying close and they'd be asleep in the stroller and we'd just push the stroller right into our hotel room and there's nothing quite like it. So I agree. Staying close is huge. Even when we don't stay on property, we'll stay somewhere close enough, like you said, that we can just push that stroller because inevitably he, when he was younger, he would fall asleep on the walk back to the hotel and it was the worst. So just being able to like not have to fold up the stroller, skip the tram, walk to the hotel. Um, it just made the whole day much more smoother. Mm -hmm. My seventh tip tip number seven, uh, is to decide if you really need Genie Plus or not. And Melissa, I love to hear your feedback on this one after I kind of talk about what I think, um, because I think there's people that have different views on this. I personally think that Genie Plus is not worth it if you've got a little kid that is under 40 inches. There are only a couple of rides that um, are over, um, that are on Genie Plus that are rides that 
a shorter kid can actually ride. Most of those rides, they're not even going to be able to ride. And you can hit those rides earlier in the day or in a time that it's not as crowded and kind of knock them out. Now, if you are planning on kind of doing a hybrid where the adults ride some rides and the kids ride some rides, then your Genie Plus might be helpful for you because you can still use the rider switch with that um, and you can get through the line a little faster. But if your plan is to just focus on those kids' rides as a family and you're not planning on going on any of those rides that have a height requirement, you might find that you waste the money by spending the Genie Plus and you actually don't get to use it. So I'd be curious to hear what you think about it, Melissa. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you have just, you know, a few little kids or one little kid that don't meet the height requirements, chances are you're not going to be going on any of those Genie Plus rides either, honestly. And like you said, you can just wait in line for the few that they can go on. The tricky thing is, is when you have a little one who can't ride those and then you have an older kid or two that can, and then you kind of have to make a decision. Do we get... Genie Plus for the older ones and the adults and just not for the younger one. But then if you don't get it for the younger one, then they can't ride on Genie Plus when you go on Small World or, you know, whatever else they can do. So it gets tricky. But if you only have little ones that can't ride on most Genie Plus attractions, then I agree. Just skip Genie Plus. It's not worth your extra money. Yeah, I think it's just kind of knowing what you want to get out of your trip and understanding that Genie Plus isn't just the automatic purchase that's going to get you to bypass all the lines to really look at that list and ask yourself, is my family going to go on those rides? Which family members are going to go on those rides? I will say the one thing that we've used that has been wonderful is the individual lightning lane for Rise of the Resistance. Um, we've done that during nap time a couple times where uh, we just buy it for my husband and I. And when my son is napping, we'll go in and and one person will wait and then we'll just kind of switch it out. Um, and that's a really great use of that. Um, but that's really the only time we use any of these lightning lanes or genie pluses um, in this season of our life because we just haven't felt like it's been a good financial investment for us. Mm -hmm. That's so smart because, I mean, you were going to pay the same price for the individual lightning lane as you would have for genie plus. So that really yes. makes sense. Yes. Um, my eighth tip is to skip the park hopper. So park hopping is great. Um, we have a pass, we park up all the time. I love it. If you are, if you do not have a pass and you're looking at, okay, I want a three day vacation at Disneyland. When I've got a little kid, there's so much to do in the park and the park hopping can feel like there's a lot going on. And my recommendation is to spend one day in the, each park. Um, the ideal situation in my opinion, from just our own vacations that we've taken over the years, is two full days in Disneyland and one full day in DCA. And you will have time to see and do everything that a younger kid can do, all of the rides and attractions. You'll be able to hit all of them. And it's just a better use of your time to say, we're just going to focus at Disneyland today or we're just going to focus at DCA today. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I recommend that all the time because park hopping, most people do not get the full value out of park hopping and it just becomes an added thing to your day that you're like oh we should hop because we paid for it even though we're perfectly happy in the park that we're in and the money that you save by not buying a park hopper ticket you can easily take that money and go do character dining or yes. go do buy genie plus because you save a ton of money when you don't park hop 
Yeah. And I think that's the conversation that is so important to have as a family before you go, because you don't have to spend your money on all of these added things. Like you don't have to do the Genie Plus and the, and the Park Hopper and the this. You have to talk about what do we value and what do we want our vacation to look at, look like, mm-hmm. and then choose to spend your money wisely. Cause you don't have to do all of it in order to have a really, really wonderful trip. For sure. My ninth tip is to make use of that mobile order. Um, This is my number one mom hack. I tell you, when that mobile order stuff happened after the pandemic, it changed my life. I love it so much. Um, It doesn't work all the time. You do have to plan ahead, but there is nothing more beautiful than saying, oh, it's noon. My kids are hungry. I knew they would be hungry at noon, which is why I put in a mobile order this morning at this restaurant. And then I push the button and then there's the hot food while my kid is hungry and ready and we walk right to the table and eat it. It is beautiful and it is wonderful. It sometimes does take a little bit of planning ahead. If you've got a more popular restaurant, um, you're not going to be able to grab something last minute. Sometimes it's a couple hour wait. Um, what we like to do is we like to put our lunch order in like mid-morning. Um, when Tiana's first opened, we put it in at 7 a.m. <laughs> um, and then we start talking about dinner mid-afternoon. Um, and it still gives us a little bit of flexibility to kind of see how our day is going to go. But that way we plan dinner almost like if we had a reservation. We put our order in and then it's ready for us when we're hungry instead of walking around the park going, okay, which line is the shortest? What do we want to eat? Because waiting in line is bad, but waiting in line with hungry toddlers is the worst. Um, So mobile order has really been uh, a lifesaver for me. And I'm actually really thankful that they kept it on after, I know they originally started it just to kind of keep things a little bit more hands off during the pandemic. And I'm glad that they've continued to do it because it's just been such a helpful, helpful thing for me as a mom. For sure. And there is nothing like you know, when you're waiting in line for food that you didn't even want to eat because it's the shortest line. So then you're paying expensive prices for food you didn't want, but that's what your option is because everyone's starving. It's terrible. So I love mobile ordering too. It's such a time saver and it's kind of fun to browse the menus with your kids while you're waiting in a line in the morning and, you know, let them pick it out what they're going to eat and decide where to go. It kind of helps break up some of those lines in the morning as well. It does. It gives you something to do as a family. You can talk about what you want to eat for lunch and figure it out. Um, yeah, it's just been so nice. I have discovered the one downside for me um, as an allergy family, and my son has some dietary restrictions as well, is that the there are dietary options on the mobile order. Sometimes it's not the complete menu. So sometimes ordering at the window will give you more options. Mm -hmm. The other challenge is that it takes longer for them to prepare. So I found that if I put a non-allergy order in, when I push I'm here and I'm ready, it's like ready in like five, 10 minutes. If I push that it's ready, we're ready and it's an allergy order, it can sometimes take up to 15, 20 minutes. So you're waiting a little longer. Mm -hmm. So just something to keep in mind. Um, Sometimes we'll say that we're there on our way over um, to kind of cut the wait time at the table down a little bit, especially those our allergy orders because we've just seen that the allergy orders have been consistently they just take a little longer and it's not anybody's fault it's because disney's doing a great job back in the kitchen they prepare everything separately um it's what makes them so great it just takes a little longer to prepare Mm -hmm, that makes sense and then my 10th tip um, is something that i'm really passionate about and i know that it's not for everyone but that is that if you have little kids consider rope dropping. Um, I've heard parents say, there's no way I can get out the door. It's so hard. It's even harder to get out with little kids. 
I am not a morning person. I do not like getting up. When my alarm goes off for a rope drop morning, I'm always like, this was the worst idea ever. <laughs> but every time we get to the park, I 100% am glad that I did it. Um, if you have little kids, the hardest thing is long lines and crowds where you're like trying to navigate them with your stroller and then you lose your very active toddler. I have one of those um, in the crowd and they're like running ahead. Our favorite times in the park are those early morning hours. And you don't have to be at the front of that rope drop line. The front of that rope drop line are for the people that are riding the rides that have longer lines and are more popular. Um, you can kind of hang out at the back of that little rope drop crowd and take your time getting into Fantasyland or Toontown or wherever it is that you want to go. Um, and you will just find that you can knock out so many rides those first two hours. Um, the characters are usually out. Um, you can see Mickey Mouse and Toontown with very little weight. Um, so that's kind of how we plan our day is we get there and we hit a bunch of rides in the morning. We see the characters that we want to see. And then we use our afternoon time to maybe do some of the play places, relax a little bit. If we have a hotel, go back to the hotel. But it is so worth it. If you're going to spend all that money on that ticket, set that alarm early. Do what you need to get those kids out the door because those early morning hours, they really are just magical. And if you have early hotel entry, if you are staying on property, it's only a half an hour, but it is also so worth it um, because you kind of get this little bonus on your rope dropping and you get to get even more in. And it's so nice to walk the parks when they're empty. Um, it feels relaxing and fun and lovely. And it's just a completely different experience in the morning. Yes. Well worth getting up early if you can do it, because if you can get five or six rides in that first hour, right in fantasy land, I mean, that is huge. And your kids are just going to love it. They just feel so, I mean, to see kids running from ride to ride and barely waiting in line is one of my favorite things in the world. And Toontown in the morning is prime time to visit Toontown too. So there's good. not many people there and they can mm -hmm. really enjoy all the interactive features and things. So yes, yes to rope dropping. Yes, absolutely. So those are my top 10 things. Um, I have many, many other tips for taking your kids. If you want to go check out my Instagram at multiply the magic, um, I share all kinds of little hacks and tiny things um, to help make your day a little easier, even down to like, how do I pack my diaper bag so I can get through security a little easier. Um, but if you are looking for just kind of like, what are the 10 things I need to know? Um, these ones that I've shared today would be the 10 things to know before you drop all that cash on a Disney trip and show up. That's amazing. Well, I'm going to put a link to your Instagram in the show notes so that people can check you out and all of your amazing tips. Thank you so much for coming awesome. and chatting with us today. Yes, it was so wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa. Yeah, it was wonderful. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you so much to Rebecca for chatting with me. She's so sweet. She has so much great information. I'm going to put a link to her Instagram in my show notes. You can go over there, click on that, give them a follow. You can get even more tips and tricks and helpful information. So thank you so much, Rebecca. It was really fun to chat with you. Thank you so much for listening and being here. I appreciate you. You guys are all just the best. I This show would not be possible without you. And I just am so thankful that I get to create this podcast every single week and just share my love for Disney with you. So I appreciate it. If you want to support me, you can always leave a review 
rating and reviewing my podcast is the best way to support me for free because that's how people find me. So the more people who leave reviews and rate the podcast, the more people who are able to find my show. Also, word of mouth is really helpful and beneficial. So anytime you hear someone talking about Disneyland vacations, you know, you're like out with friends and someone mentions they're going on a Disneyland vacation, send them my way, send them my podcast. That would really help me out too. Like I said, I will be at Disneyland next week covering the kickoff for the holidays going to be lots of fun. So hopefully you will follow along over on Instagram. I can't wait. It's going to be pure magic. Nothing like Disney during the holidays. I will be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.